0: welcome to all here this is like throwback sunday isn't it you've got malcolm doing the songs and me doing the preaching yeah like the old times right we're glad to be replaced in many aspects don't get us wrong we're glad to be replaced so mr champney was brought up this morning This is what he wrote. Listen. How hast thou triumphed and triumphed with glory? Battle, death's forces rolled back every wave. Can we refrain them from telling the story, Lord, thou art victor or death and the grave? Well, that's our subject this morning. How can he triumph through death? Well, that seems like an oxymoron. We're looking for triumph of the, the, the returning general after the great battle, and, and he rides in on a white horse, and, and there's triumph for you. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ triumphed all right, riding in on the colt the fold of a donkey. I want you to know something about a donkey before we go any further. You probably already know. But this blew me away. So my wife checked it out. Do you realize on the back of a donkey, right down its spine, is a black line? And from shoulder to shoulder, There's another line on every donkey creating a cross. You check me out on that. You're going to go home today and you're going to Google it. I guarantee you. And even if it's a white donkey, an aborigine, white-type donkey, there's still that line if you look really close. Every donkey has a cross on its back. No wonder it was a donkey. The man who would bear the cross sat upon a cross four days earlier. We had last week what doves tails into what we're dealing with this week, and that is the the main object, I believe. You know, you can ask Mike, ask him later. But you can't work without, you can't have work without worship. But you cannot worship without work. In other words, you can work without worship. But you can't have true worship without an outworking of yourself, an outpouring of yourself. And you see it, you see it laid out. In John chapter 12, verse 1 through 9, you see it laid out in the three individuals that are there. You have Mary, worship, Martha, work. And then you have Lazarus. He's a witness. Now, that's not what Mike used last week. He used something different. But watch how this pans out. You have the worship, the outpouring of Mary As she brings this ointment and she pours it on the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. That took place earlier in, in the book of Mark, didn't it? And, and the Lord had to defend worship, didn't he? He said to Martha, Ah, oh, you're covered about with so much. Ah, but she has chosen the better part. He defended worship. What does he have to do here in our passage? It all happens all over again, doesn't it? And he has to defend worship again. This time it's the disciples led by Judas. And they wanted to call it a waste. And he defended worship the second time. I want you to notice something else that I find extraordinary. It was in uh, Luke chapter 10 where you had that scene where where Martha was cumbered about with so many things. And she was... She's a busy body. It, it's in her nature to serve. Okay? And, and so she went to the Lord Jesus Christ. She said, Lord, listen, I, Mary, all she does is sits there, and here I am doing that. The word in the Greek is actually that she, she went after the Lord with this kind of thing. She admonished him. Lord, please, have her help me. Look at all the work I have. There were a lot of people in that room. Now, I want you to notice in John chapter 12, we have this second scene. And, and, and you're not seeing Martha saying, okay, Lord, you said the better part was to worship. You don't see Martha on the ground worshiping, do you? You still see her carrying out her God-given role as a servant. But this time, she serves as unto the Lord. Not out of a complaining spirit, but out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there, there is no correction from the Lord in that. Service is not bad. There's nothing wrong with service. It can be a form of worship. That's what was dealt with, right? Work and worship, they, they go hand in hand. You can't truly worship the Lord Jesus Christ in spirit and truth, without there be some action from you. We're not like monks sitting around in a monastery all day long. We are going to act on that worship. When you truly get to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to get to know a real worker because he was about ready to go to the cross and work for you by dying for your sins on the cross. So Lazarus is there as a witness. Why? Because that powerful miracle was was bestowed upon him. He was brought out of death and brought back into life after four days into the grave. His body stunk in that grave. The Lord Jesus Christ did an amazing thing. When they pulled that stone away, there was no stench. And they all backed up, I'm sure, and thought, oh boy, here we go. And he pulled the stone away. There was no stench. And there were many, many there who witnessed that miracle. He walks around like a witness unto the grace of God. To the point where the Pharisees said, man, we got to do away with him. we got to kill him too. Because he's a walking testimony to the power of God. Let's kill him. We have some people, even in this room today, that, that the Lord has brought into our midst that are walking testimonies. We're all walking testimonies. Don't get me wrong on this. But they came out of a situation where they themselves were were in darkness and they saw the light. The difference is this. They were surrounded by darkness all their life. So they were in darkness, surrounded by darkness, and they came out of it. I'm just going to throw one name out. I, I'm sorry. Luke's one. Max is the other. God brought them into our midst. Now, maybe that's bad to give out their names, but God brought them into, their, into our midst because I was born in a Christian home. I was surrounded by what? Light. Everything around me was light. The encouragement was towards light. The encouragement was towards seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, as Savior, Redeemer in your life. All of that compounded in me, pounded in me. These gentlemen did not come out of that situation. They're walking testimonies in ways that I cannot even be. They were surrounded by darkness. They were in darkness, surrounded by darkness, you see. And God brought them in so that we could see the power of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the way Lazarus, as he sat there, does it say that Lazarus got up and preached a sermon and said, You know what I saw when I I was in heaven? Did you see? No, he doesn't record one word said. Sometimes a witness is greater without a word said just the life that god has brought him from from death and stench into life i'm sure not the lazarus probably wasn't all that thrilled about it in fact later on it says like i said the Pharisees said we got to kill him he's too much of a witness we got to put him to death we got to put him out put his lights out because he's walking around and he's a witness to the lord jesus christ lazarus probably thought oh here we go again here we go again But I'm sure Lazarus wasn't all that thrilled about coming out of death to begin with. He was probably more than happy to stay right where he was. I think me and Sam were talking about that this morning. When we see the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gonna, we're gonna realize that all of our thoughts concerning him on earth were, were, were great and they were great worship for him. But, but when we see all the truth conveyed to us, they're gonna seem almost frivolous. When we see Jesus, verse 12, as we go. Verse 12, then, it says this, the next day. This is Sunday. I've heard some preachers say it was Monday. I don't know. We're going to call it Sunday. Palm Sunday, that's what they call it, Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. That's that's what we're in reference to. About four or five days from now, the Lord Jesus Christ would be crucified. He'd be dead. Now, I want you to realize something. This is something that that you may not realize. But chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are all teaching of the Lord after this point. You realize that? So you're saying... All those chapters, all that teaching was in one week. That's exactly right. What a powerful week. What an unbelievably powerful week of ministry that the Lord had on a private basis with his disciples and those of his followers. Now, this is the last public appearance this is a public offering of the lord jesus christ and the lord jesus christ does not discourage it now before he did you remember well when when the when the nation of israel came to the lord and said we're going to make you king you're you're, you're prime material listen we we read about it in the old testament you are messiah material let's go let's make you king and he passed from their midst it wasn't his time the pharisees came and said we're going to make you dead we're going to make you dead We can't take this no more. And he passed from their midst, but he doesn't pass this time. And not only does he orchestrate, not only does he uh, accept this public offering of himself, he orchestrates it. We find that out in the other Gospels, doesn't he? He goes to the disciples and says, you go and there'll be a donkey. There'll be a donkey there and a colt. And you tell the owner, if he has any questions about it, the Lord hath need of it. And so he's not only uh, uh, acknowledging it and accepting it, but he's, he's actually orchestrating it. This is a public offering of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is time, you see. Where it was not time before, it is time now. And so this is what it says. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took palm uh took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord the king of israel then jesus when he had found a, a young donkey sat on it as it is written fear not daughter of zion behold your king is coming sitting on a donkey uh, a donkey's colt His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign The Pharisees, therefore, said amongst themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. They're they're talking to themselves now. It's a strange thing. But they did do a lot of that. And and if you put into a room a bunch of people who are all answer men and righteous in their own eyes, that's exactly what you're going to get. Absolute pandemonium. They all felt they were the right... The right voice. They all felt they had the right answer. And so when they got together, they couldn't agree with each other. That's exactly what was going on here. You see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was uh, from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, uh, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came uh, and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has uh, has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it remains alone. But if it die, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice from heaven came and saying, I have glorified both, I I, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Again, I doubt that we get much further than that particular section. It was Sunday, you see. It was the 10th of Nisan. That doesn't mean anything to us. But it should have meant much to the nation of, of Israel. It was four days before Passover and into Jerusalem, this relatively small place pours in hundreds of thousands for the Passover each of them, each head of the house had with him a lamb and they would follow that lamb around and and Sunday, this Sunday was the day when those lambs would then be inspected by the high priest and the high priest would determine then whether that is a worthy sacrifice, whether there's no spot, no blemish. If there was a problem with it, he'd have to go home and get another lamb and get back for the sake of his family. So there were literally... Uh, Josephus says there could have been as many as a million people in the city. This is an offering of the Son of God to the whole public at one time. Okay? He picked this time. He chose it out very carefully. You'll notice that um, the, the Pharisees had actually... Come earlier on and they said, you know what? One thing that we don't want to happen is that the Lord Jesus Christ were to be offered up on Passover. That would be worst case scenario for them. What they really desired is that they could kind of in the darkness, in the shadows, take him and snuff out his life. No one would even know. That's what they wanted. Certainly not on Passover week. That's one thing that we want to avoid. Oh, the only problem is the eternal plan of God, the eternal plan of the sovereign living God was already depicted that he would die on Passover as the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. I believe that's why Lazarus was raised from the dead. I believe that's why that great miracle was there in order to prompt the people. To, to want to shout out, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now, they said. Save now from what? From their sins? No, you see, save now from their circumstances. That's really all we want. Now I want you to realize this. I'm, I'm 60 years old. I've noticed one thing. I've noticed one thing very, very clearly. We are very, very hard pressed to acknowledge our own sins. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ had it that he would deal with the very root of the problem, not the circumstances that, that unfold because of this root. He was going down to the root itself and dealing with the root, the sin issue. What they were saying was, oh, listen, Lord, if you'll just release us from the tyranny of Rome... That's our problem, you know. It's Rome. It's those Caesars. They're cruel, they're wicked, surely. They were cruel and wicked. That's our problem. My problem is is that girl what she said to me. That's that's my problem. That guy, you can you believe? He said that to me. And we forget to turn to ourselves. You know what the Lord was going to do? This just blows me away. He didn't turn and say, you guys, you guys are in denial. You're absolutely in denial. I'm going to deal with your sins. You're a bunch of sinners. You're a bunch of wicked people. You're absolutely rebellious against my law. You don't walk in my law and my statutes. You're a bunch of rebels is what you are. No, he quietly stepped one step at a time right to the cross. And laid himself up. Oh, he could have lashed out. Rome's your problem? That individual who crossed you 15 years ago, that's your problem? That woman, that man, who that, no. Your problem is yourself. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the needle. You know, we just don't want to admit that. We don't want to admit that. We we want to be a part of the solution, not realizing that we are the problem. And the Lord was saying, I'm not come to die in order to release you from Rome. I've come to die to release you from your sins, your iniquities. That's what's keeping you from God. But he didn't lash out. He didn't lash out. He simply took step after step. And in four days, his hands would be pinned to the wood of that cross. And his feet would be pinned to the wood of that cross. And he'd die for the sins of the whole world. They didn't understand. He had taught for three years three years from the best teacher this world has ever known. Do you think the disciples then, they understood? I want you to go back just for a second, just just really quickly. I'm going to just read a couple of excerpts here. In his teaching at the beginning of his ministry, at the beginning of those three years, this is what he said. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It is a portrait of humility, is what it is. The Lord Jesus Christ was going to carry out in himself, as an example, a portrait of humility. And he said, listen, you disciples, you come alongside. Walk with me. Get on my side with this, did they well let's turn to john chapter fourteen real mark chapter fourteen real quick, and we're going to find out what happens at the end of the ministry. This is the end of the ministry in fact, this is in the last week of the ministry. this is in the last week of the ministry that this incident occurred let's see if the disciples got the teaching correct mark chapter fourteen and um <clears throat> Verse 27, this is also uh, comes up in John's gospel after the portion that we're in now. It says, Then Jesus said to them, this is verse 27, Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the shepherd will be and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, "Even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be." You see that? When did he say this? Well, he he had to say it in the beginning of his ministry. He didn't get all that was uh, pronounced there in Matthew chapter five, those beatitudes. He must have been been that that natural man came up and no, it's the last week. Did he learn? This is the last week. You talk about discouraging a teacher. That would be quite discouraging. You know, I'm a teacher. So once in a while, the kids get what I'm saying. Very rarely. But once in a while, they get what I'm saying. And, and you know, the lights go on. And I say, whoa, that's really good. I mean, that's what I'm here for, right? They didn't get it. Let's go then to Mark chapter 10. Another incident. At the end, again, at the end of the Lord Jesus Christ's ministry, Mark chapter 10 and verse number 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, this is the end now, they came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Did you hear those words? It's almost a demand, isn't it? You do for us. What we ask. And he said to them, Whoa, you played along. Let's go along, let's find out what they're saying, even though he knew. What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your glory. They would. They would. And that's the point of our whole passage you see where's his glory that's the secret the secret of this whole passage to figure out where his glory is they would be both martyred just like he was and when he died on the cross that was his glory you see they expected that he would, he would be powerful enough, and certainly is, to overthrow the Roman government. And then he was going to set up his kingdom here on this earth, and, and this is the Messiah. We're going to reign in uh, that, that millennial-type uh, atmosphere where everything is rosy and everything is good. And, and that's why they were throwing palm branches down and the whole like. They didn't get it, did they? Peter guilty, James, John, James, John, the writer of this book, guilty, both all guilty, right? Not really understanding what the Lord was actually going to do. I think there was only one that really understood, and that was Mary. Some would say, well, she just gave out the incense of spiked nard, and I think somebody brought some nard this morning. It's a powerful. Powerful scent. Maybe she just did that because she was just worshiping the Lord and this and that. Well, let me ask you this question then. Why didn't she use it on her brother? Her brother had died previously. Here she had this, this valuable Amount, I don't know how big. It was enough to pour onto him, so it was fairly large. She had this valuable amount. If, if it was just that she saved it for a uh, great occasion, why, her brother had died. She didn't use it on him, did she? It was still there. I think Mary knew. The Lord said Mary knew. She does this for my burial. She understood. What he, had said. what he had said over and over again was that he was going to die that he was going to be buried and that he was going to rise again from the dead he made it very very clear I think that she might have been the only one that understood certainly the disciples didn't understand and when Judas said what a waste they chimed in along and agreed with him that it was a waste being used on him at that time Back to John chapter 12. And then we have this triumphal entry. They cry, Hosanna, save now, save, save now. You've proven that you have the power to do it. You have taken a man who was in a grave stinking and you brought him back to life again. There is no question that you can do it. Save now. And what they wanted was to be saved from the tyranny of Rome. And so out came the palm branches. Hosanna. That comes from Psalm chapter 118 verse 26 when they said that prophetically. He comes riding in on uh, the colt of a donkey. And the donkey was the mother. They brought both of them in there. He didn't ride on the mother, which would have been a larger animal. He rode on the the, the smaller one, the child, the the colt itself. Why? To amplify his humility as he rode in to Jerusalem. He wanted them to understand and get the picture. They could not understand. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And then his disciples in verse 16 said this. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified... Now, I want you to understand something. You can't blame the disciples for sitting under the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ for three years and not really grasping on to what he was saying. The greatest teacher for you and me is the cross. And they hadn't seen the cross yet. When I am glorified, he said, when would he be glorified? When he allowed himself to be Planted on that cross for your sins and mine. As we spend time at the foot of the cross, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight. And now, now I am happy all the day. They didn't have that advantage. They hadn't seen the glory yet. Oh, go to the book of Acts. Find out what Peter's whole view is on it in Acts chapter 2. You're going to find out that he got to see the glory finally. You say, well, they saw the glory. Uh, uh, what about the, the first uh, words of the Lord Jesus Christ? They saw the glory. No. It was the cross. The cross is Glory. And once that is revealed, then we begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and and sometimes we take the Bible and we just read it over and we skim it over and we skim it over and, and we don't really go down deep like going down deep into an ocean. And really grabbing onto what's down there. You say, well, I don't want to go down deep. I can't breathe down there. I might die down there. That is exactly the point. He said, unless the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Yeah, when we really dig into the scriptures, when we really dig into the the laws of God and and begin to meditate upon them, we're we're not going to uh, then feel, oh boy, it makes me just feel wonderful about myself. Boy, I really feel good. I got that right. Got that right. Got that right. I'm doing good in this area. No, it makes you die. And that's exactly What's being pointed out right here. His glory and exaltation as he is glorified and therefore the Father is glorified is when he pours out his life at Calvary's cross and dies for the sins of the world. It was a triumphal entry. He was in triumph. Triumph over your sins and mine. But oh, how we're so hesitant to admit our own failings, our own difficulties, our own shortcomings in our own lives. You see, it's always the other guy, it's someone else, they're to blame, they're to blame, they're to blame, they're to blame. What are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're saying, Lord, Lord, move aside, move aside. I want the wheel. I'm going to control this thing. I'm not so stupid. I'm brilliant, as a matter of fact. I want the wheel. I want to control this thing. Lord, move aside. That's what we're saying. When we admit who we really are and the kind of sinners that we really are, we're going to say, Lord, Take the helm. That question that was asked, I'm going to deal with it more, but this is one reason for depression. Somebody wrote in a question about depression. Here's one reason right here. You want to be depressed? Sit around all your life and try to convince everyone around you that everyone around you is wrong and you're right. Sit around all your life and try to convince everyone around you, they're all wrong, I've been right all along, and what you're doing is you're saying, Lord, move over, here I am. I want to guide this thing, don't I? You talk about depression. That'll put you into a deep depression, so deep you will not even imagine, because it has no end. It absolutely ends in depression. God wants His will to be done. And in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was God's will that the Son of God would die for the sins of the world. Can you imagine as the Lord Jesus Christ was hanging there on that cross? And He would say, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And you have a God in heaven who has all the power to alter that circumstance on the money and get it all changed right away. Now, if you had your son and your son was hanging on a cross and he was crying out to you as father, Father, please do something. And you had the power to do it. Wow. God the Father had the power to do it. But he refused because he knew the root problem, way down there in the base, was the sin of every human being that has ever been born on this earth. Born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And that sin just simply had to be dealt with so that as that seed, that corn of wheat, falls into the ground and dies, it now has communion and fellowship brings forth much fruit you're the fruit if you know the lord jesus christ your personal savior you're the fruit this morning you've been brought into a family into a relationship can you imagine that what a glory that is because the Lord Jesus Christ was not willing to be glorified by overthrowing the Roman government. And to the cheer of the, the audience outside, to the cheer of the people outside, he was willing to go all the way to the cross and die for your sins and mine. And one day there's going to be a great gathering. One day there's going to be a great gathering, and all those who have put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be there in heaven with him. What a glory, what a glory that will be. The key to the whole thing is dying. We must learn to die. Die to self. Die to all that we are naturally as human beings. We must learn to die. When we die, then from that comes life, just like the seed that's planted in the ground that brings forth much fruit. It was a triumphal entry. It was a triumph that day. He triumphed over sin and death. He is now the redeemer of the world. And so we thank him and praise him and give him all the glory. Do his name. Let's pray. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we are so very thankful for the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. He was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Our Father, we are so thankful that he humbly went on to fulfill your will. He humbly took the steps right to the cross. We're so thankful, our Father. We just pray that that we would join him there. We would place ourselves right there, being crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I anymore, But Christ that liveth in me. We just pray, Father, that that would be our life's call, that we would recognize that that, that it's it's us intrinsically that that have the sin that causes ourselves to walk out of your will. It's not everyone around us, it's us. We thank you, our Father, that the Lord Jesus Christ has taken care of that. We just pray that we would humbly realize that we're sinners. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Acknowledge him as the redeemer of the world and accept him as our savior. We give you all the praise and the glory. Do your name in Jesus' name.